This week, we continue our three-part series on getting things done using project management software. In our first episode of the series, we talked about Google Keep and Google Task. Last episode, we talked to our friend Kevin Mickey of GTAST, and he talked to us about how his new application is adding new features to Google Task with a new web interface to the Google Task API. And in this episode, I'm going to share my personal task management software preference. But before we do that, let's roll into this episode's edition of the addendum. I want to thank Scott for letting me know that the episode shows 16 show notes were not available. I forgot to make them available after embedding them onto the Google site show notes page. So again, thanks Scott. And thanks for listening to the pixel power podcast. Also want to share that we corrected Nikki's call forwarding problem. If you remember last episode, I discussed that when someone would call my wife's Google Fi number, someone with her old mobile phone number's phone would ring at the same time. I'm sure that was annoying to that person. I'm sure that person's not listening, but if you were, my sincere apologies. Seems there's a setting in the Google Fi app where you can forward your phone to other phone numbers. We corrected that on her phone, but then I also decided to take advantage of that and I am now forwarding my Google Fi number to my office phone. When it rings my Pixel phone, it also rings my office phone. I see on my caller ID on my office phone who's calling, and when I pick up, I have the option to hit one to accept the call, or I can just reject the call. This past week, we had a tornado warning in our area, and I was trying to text my wife to see if everything was fine. She wasn't responding to my text. I'm sure she was just away from her phone at the time. And I thought, oh my, I really would like to check and see how she is. Then it dawned on me, we have the broadcast feature of our Google Homes in our house. So what I did is I picked up my phone while I was at work. I said, hey, assistant, broadcast, are you in a safe location? There's a tornado warning that sent that message and it broadcasted all throughout the house. So there's a little tip for you. If you're trying to get a message to your family and they're not around their phone and they can't take a phone call, blast that alert or broadcast that alert through your home so that they can get that message. If you visit the Pixel Power Podcast Twitter account, you'll notice this week that I added a new Mac Mini to the recording studio. You can check out a picture of that. I am actually using that new equipment now and that new computer. I'll let you know what I think is a long term, but I'm using Audacity to record and everything seems to be working fine. Did have a little bit of a problem with a mixer. Need to work that out. So I removed the mixer and I'm back to an M Audio M track, which has just always been rock solid for the uh, MXL mic that I use and the Mac. So for now, I'm going to stick with that. Probably use the mixer in some other ways on another computer that I have, but so far so good with the new Mac mini. Very pleased with the performance of that computer. Part of the fun of doing a podcast is learning. And one of the things I'm having a blast with this past week as well was learning all the features of Audacity. Audacity is the open source recording software that I am using. There are a lot of features in this software. It can be overwhelming, but there's some amazing YouTube videos that can get you up to speed quickly. There's a great wiki at the Audacity site. So if you're doing some audio recording or you have any kind of audio project, highly recommend Audacity. And as I learn more about it, I anticipate that the show will just get better and better as well. And finally, in the addendum, I have one more Star Trek reference or item to share with you. As you know, in the last two episodes of this three-part series, I've had two Star Trek references and I want to make one more. This is a book. It's called Star Trek Designing Starships Volume 1, The Enterprises and beyond. It's a great study of how designers created these ships, 
back in the 60s all the way to using current technology such as 3D modeling. If you are like me and have an interest in design and I'm an old draftsman by trade and technical illustrator, I just found it fascinating to see how these ships were designed and the processes they went through and how different the processes were in the 60s and how different they are as compared to today. So again, Star Trek Designing Starships, Volume 1, link in the show notes. And that concludes this edition of the addendum. Okay, so I'm sure the secret is out. My task management software of choice is Todoist. Todoist is very popular. It is a software package that is available everywhere, and we'll talk about that. And one of the things I really like about Todoist is that it can be as simple a task manager as you want, or it can be as complicated. I would recommend you go back to episode 15 where I talk about my getting things done process. And I think after listening to that, you will understand why I am a Todoist fan. As I was developing this episode, I tried to break this down into chunks. There are so many features to Todoist that it can get very complicated quickly. But again, it's easy to get into, but the features that are available can, if you look at all of them as a whole, you may think, wow, this is really overkill. However, the Todoist interface really makes it easy to keep your task management simple while growing as you become more comfortable developing your own processes. Let's go ahead and talk about Todoist at length. Everything I'm talking about is in a very comprehensive set of show notes I've prepared. You're gonna find links to everything. If you want to go back and reference those show notes for a specific feature or function, you should be able to find it. If there's something missing, let me know. You can send me an email and I'll be happy to add that to the list. Let's begin though by talking about the availability of the software. First of all, it's available via a web browser. You just simply go to www.todoist.com where you can create a free account to get started. We'll talk about account levels here in a minute. It's also available as an app for your Pixel phone or Android phone. It's also available as a Todoist Chrome web app for your Pixel book. It's a very good app, by the way. It's also available as a Chrome extension. So not only a web app, but also a Chrome extension. And the extension is nice because you can simply click on the extension button to reveal your Todoist account and all of your tasks, as well as a nice feature that lets you right-click anywhere on a web page to add it to Todoist where you can later read that page. There's also a Todoist Wear OS app. We'll talk about that specifically a little bit later on in the show. If you're a Windows or Mac user, those apps are available as well. If you're a Linux user, there's also third-party apps. So some other developers have developed a application to link to the Todoist database. It's also available with a Google Assistant where you can say, hey, Assistant, speak to Todoist, and you get a unique voice assistant from Todoist so that you can manage your apps. And finally, there is a Todoist Gmail extension. And with that, you can simply click on an email and make that a task. And we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that later as well. So let's talk about the pricing structure. There are three pricing structures. There's free, premium, and business. If you get the free account, you can do all of the things that you normally would do in Google Tasks, which we talked about two weeks ago. The free access gives you access on all the platforms I mentioned. It allows you to have recurring due dates, something that's not available in Google Tasks. It does give us a, a secure socket layer connection so we can be sure our tasks are safe. It gives you subtasks and sub projects. It gives you four levels of task priorities. We talked about Google Tasks only giving you one level. The free version of Todoist will give you four levels. You can have up to 80 active projects and you can even collaborate, which again is not a feature of Google Tasks, 
five people per project. So even with the basic account, it's probably worthwhile that you just go create an account and give these basic features a shot. I have a subscription to the $29 premium subscription. It will of course include all of the features found in the free edition as well as many others that we're gonna talk about today. Some of the additional things that it includes is 300 active projects and up to 25 people per project. If you're trying to run a small business, there's also a $60 annual business subscription, which allows you to manage 500 active projects, add up to 50 people per project. You will get centralized team billing for all of your members. You have a dashboard where you can manage your team members. You also get priority support and you have login tracking so that you can see that your team is actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. So those are the three levels of pricing. Let's go ahead and talk about task creation. It's very easy once you load the software, have the app, have it loaded in your web browser. You simply click the plus symbol you'll find or you can hit the Q keyboard command and it provides you with a quick add tasks dialog box. This thing is surprisingly powerful. While it looks really basic, what it can do is it can kind of parse out your text and find pieces of it to help you create your task. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's go through and talk about that process. So first thing you're going to do when you add a task is you enter the name of the task. You can do some really interesting things by adding some code. So for instance, if you add the at symbol after the task followed by any word that you want to create as a tag or a label, you can do that and it'll show up if it's already been created you'll actually get a drop-down that'll list all the tags that you've used in other projects so that you can tag that particular task. Add a hashtag in the quick add task dialog box and you can assign that task to a specific project. If you use two exclamation marks followed by a one, two, three, or four, you can actually add a priority and prioritize the task. If you add a plus symbol, it'll show a list of all the possible collaborators or collaborators that you have already invited to a project and you can assign that collaborator to that task. So again, that very simple quick add task dialog box looks vaguely simple, but it can have a lot of power to it if you use some of these characters. It's also able to parse out dates. So while you're in quick add, if you say tomorrow, it'll know to tag that specific task with a due date of tomorrow. Of course, you can put a regular date in there as well. You can also say things like next Friday. You can also do recurring tasks. You can uh, create tasks using the smart scheduler that uses artificial intelligence to try and find and locate a task time that works the best. So it looks and reviews to see that you don't have 15 tasks listed on the due date that you've just assigned that task. It's very smart in helping you find the best date to choose to have that specific thing done. I mentioned recurring tasks. You can use the word every to create a recurring task. When you've got all of that in there, you can add a reminder based on a date, a time, or a location. For instance, for the location, a handy feature is you can do a search for, say, your local Aldi, and the next time you're in an Aldi, the actual task notification will appear on your Pixel device, making it very handy to pop that up to remind you to do something at that location. So be aware that you can add reminders based, again, on time, date, or the ever popular location feature. The other thing that is available when creating a task is you have the ability you have the ability to add a comment. You click the comment button and you can add comments to tasks. Maybe you want to add more directions to the task or maybe you want to help 
add information that'll help you or a collaborator complete that task that isn't necessarily required for the task name. After you create tasks, you'll obviously want to view them and there are several different ways to view tasks in Todoist. Unlike Google Tasks and some other task management software where you just presented with a long list, you can actually create specific types of views for the many tasks that you've created. The very first thing that you have, kind of the default, is the inbox view. The inbox is a place where you can store tasks that maybe aren't part of a project or you want to capture a lot of tasks quickly and then one at a time assign those to projects. So that's your inbox. There's also a way to view the task by project view. So you can list all the projects. So you can pick specific projects to view only the tasks in those projects as well. There's a today list. The today list lists those things that you have assigned that have to get done today. There's also a next seven days list. I think you probably understand what that means now, all those tasks that are due within the next seven days show up. It's kind of the, the view that I prefer just so I can see my week at a glance. You also have a way to view favorites and you can create favorites by projects and or labels and something else called filters. Filters are great and I'm gonna talk about filters when I talk about searching for tasks. You can also expand and collapse projects to make your view list a little bit easier to manage. So if you press the greater than symbol or the little arrow pointed to the right, you can expand a project to show all the lists in the list view. Or if you click that same arrow when it's pointed down, then you can collapse that list so that it gives you a little bit more room to view all of your projects at once. As you complete tasks, you will want to take action on those tasks. For instance, the number one action we all want to take on tasks is we want to complete the task. So that option is very simple. Just simply click in a little circle next to the task and that will complete it. It'll go to your archived or completed tasks. Some additional things that you can do while you're in that task view is you can add a task above a task, add a task below a task. You can, of course, edit a task. You're not locked into the information that you've added for that task initially. You can also modify the schedule for the task. You can postpone the task. You can change the priority on the task. You can add reminders as we talked about when you create the task. If you forget to do that, you can come back and add reminders later. You can archive the task. You can move a task to another project. So after you create projects and you have tasks, if you find it's not where it's supposed to be, it's a simple matter of dragging and dropping and or you can change that in the project list that appears in each task. You can also duplicate a task, which is handy, and you can copy the link to the task. So grab that specific link to the task. You can share it with yourself. You can share it with a friend. You can obviously delete a task, but know when you delete a task, that goes away forever. It's probably best that you archive or complete a task. That way you don't leave a record of that task being done. You might delete a task if it's just a rogue task, something happened. Uh, and it's not exactly what you want. We've also briefly talked that another action you can take is you can add comments. You can click on the comments to icon to add not only text-based comments, but you can attach a file from a computer. You can attach a file from Google Drive, which is very handy if you're on the Pixel Book or you're on a Pixel device, or Dropbox if you're a Dropbox user. You can also add a comment by voice recording, which is handy, or you can add just a fun emoji to let people know. The comments, again, you can see yourself, or if you're sharing with a collaborator, they would be able to view, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Matter of fact, let's go roll right into that. 
The other option is the share option where you can add a collaborator. Now, please know that they will need to create a free Todoist account. Again, it's the free version though. They do not have to get a subscription as well unless they choose to create their own projects and use the advanced features, but they can use the advanced features of the project that you have shared with them. The other nice thing about having a collaborator is when you assign the task and they complete the task, you receive a notification that they complete. Just as an example, I use a shared list with a colleague of mine and we're constantly working on projects together and tasks together. I can simply from my phone or anywhere add a task, put it in that project. She will actually get that task in her Todoist account. If I tag her as the owner of that specific task, she gets a couple of notifications and she can set that up the way she wants. She can get an email notification or she can get a notification on her phone or she can get a notification in Todoist that that's been assigned. What I like is if she adds a comment, I get a notification that there's a comment generally asking for more clarification. I can respond to that comment. She will get that comment back. And then when she actually completes the task, I get a notification that that task is complete. So I don't have to worry about is that thing that I've delegated getting done. I also like that there's a record and it shares a log or there's a log that is created where we can go back and see who has created what and when. And so when you look at all this together and you add due dates, you can see how in a complex work environment where you have a lot of people working, it's easy to use Todoist to manage those large complicated projects with multiple people involved. Another reason I'm a fan of Todoist is it includes a feature that lets me forward an email out of my inbox to a task. I mentioned really at the beginning that there is a connection or an extension for Gmail. This I'm specifically talking about any email inbox can be used as a way to forward a task to Todoist. And how that works is every project gets its own unique email address. You can go to Project Actions, click the Ellipses menu in the upper right hand corner, and you'll see an email address option for that project. You take that email address, you can add it to your to email address, or you can create, if it's a project you use frequently, which is what I do, I create a separate contact with that project in my contacts. At any time now, I can forward an email to that email address and it'll be added to that project. Before you send that email though, you can modify your subject line to include things like a due date, or I could say like uh, make it due tomorrow. You can also add labels using a, a character, the at symbol. You can also add priorities using an exclamation point, two of those, followed by a one to a four and add that. So if as long as you have that code in your subject line before you send it, it'll actually add the due date, the label, and the priority. And if you wanna see what that looks like, I have that syntax listed in the show notes. The other thing that happens that's nice when you forward an email to Todoist is if there is an attachment in that email up to 25 megabytes, it'll also include that in the task and in the comments. Here's an example. If I forward that to the shared project that I have with the colleague I mentioned earlier, and there's a PDF file or a Word file, that file will also get transferred to that Todoist task, and now that person will have access to that file as well as a reference. It's a great feature. Forward emails as tasks is probably the number one feature that keeps me an annual subscriber. We've talked a lot about individual tasks. Let's take a little bit of time now and talk about projects. Projects contain multiple tasks. And as you remember, as uh, discussed earlier, you can indent tasks, so you can even make subtasks of other tasks. So you can get really complicated. And Todoist allows you to get up to four levels of complication with tasks. 
But a project will contain a lot of tasks and all those subtasks. So you do that simply by creating a project in your left-hand project listing. The nice thing about projects is you can sort your projects by date, priority, name, or who's responsible. So that's a good feature to have. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, you can share your projects. Now, how you add tasks to projects is always gonna be a personal preference in how you indent them and how you decide to break those down. I generally like the project to be a large thing. For instance, create episode 17 of the Pixel Power podcast would be a project. Under that, there are lots of things that have to be done. For instance, record the episode. Underneath that, there's probably subtasks such as turn on the computer, make sure the mic levels are all set, you know, those types of subtasks. So that's what we mean by a project. Each one of those, again, can have a date when those have to be due. So sometimes you can use dates to set dependencies. So this has to be done before this is done. Priorities are also very important. For instance, as I talked about earlier, sometimes there's a task that really needs to get done by a certain date. I always like that task to have that priority. And then I can sort projects on priority as well. You can assign a priority to projects. Searching projects should be a function of any task management software. And as we talked about, one of the surprising omissions from Google Tasks is you can't search for projects. Todoist takes care of that and provides some amazing tools and wonderful ways to search projects and tasks. You can do a quick search in the web browser version or in the web Chrome OS version by simply typing the forward slash or the F keystroke and it'll jump to the search tool. The search tool, much like the quick ad, is deceptively powerful. You just get a little place to start typing, but you can use filters in the search to narrow down your list. You can use the filter tab to save a search that you've created for later use. This can be very handy if you create this complex search string for a specific type of task, like a task that includes this, that's due on this date with a priority of this. You can save that so that later you don't have to recreate that search. So those filters are very handy and you can add that filter as a favorite so you can use it regularly. I do have a list in the show notes of all the filters that are available. It would be impossible to cover all those in this show. So please uh, take a look at the show notes if you're a Todoist user and want to know how to get the most out of filters. Another thing you may want to do while using Todoist is you may want to brag to your friends at how productive you are. And Todoist includes an area called statistics that allows you to look at your productivity. So if you look in the upper right hand corner, you'll see a circled check mark. If you click on that, you'll see the number of tasks you've completed. The other part that you can do is you can view and set daily and weekly goals. And then a very fun feature of Todoist is something called your karma score. So check out a link in the show notes to find out what is a karma score and what does it mean for you? Let's just say you want to have bragging rights and your karma score is the way that you can do that. So I like that Todoist has added this gamification to getting things done. Todoist also includes some customization features found in the settings. And I do want to cover some of the settings options here or most of them so that you know what is available. You can sync your Todoist database just to make sure that you have the latest version that's available in the settings. You can check the settings for your account so you can see what, um, what level you're subscribing as well as set your profile and other items that are associated with your account. Another one of my favorite features of Todoist is you have themes. Now, Todoist comes with a very good material design theme. And as you've heard me saying over and over, I really like material design on the web version, on the phone version, on the WebOS app version. It's very material theme heavy, which is a good clean version. A good clean design makes it easy to see your tasks and act upon them and 
modify them, but you can also change colors. I particularly like the dark theme that's available and use that one regularly. You can use some other colors with a white background if you like that. I am kind of digging the dark theme on several devices right now. You also have an opportunity to view your activity log so you can see additions, changes, completions, deleted tasks, all those things that you wanna see what's going on with my tasks and how am I acting on them and when. You can print lists. You don't think really in the 21st century of printing, but occasionally you may wanna print out a larger project so that you can track that manually or you wanna share that with someone. So print is available for different things. Like you can print a project, you can print specific tasks, and you can print specific views of tasks. You can, of course, upgrade your plan in the settings area. You have access to support documents and there is a contact us link if you are at a tier where they will email you support or you need call in support. A feature I just found out that I wasn't, did not know about was you can download project templates. Todoist has this wonderful feature, which I'll talk a little bit about later, that you can import templates to get you started on projects. So there are some basic project templates that are accessible through the settings feature. In settings, you can also access the Todoist blog where you can find tips and tricks or what's the latest on that update that just came from Todoist. There's also a very handy feature, keyboard shortcuts. I mentioned keyboard shortcuts when starting to add a uh, new task or if you want to search a new task. There are all kinds of shortcuts for indentation, creating projects. I really encourage you to look at that. If you are a person who loves keyboard shortcuts, you will love the fact that there are many shortcuts available in Todoist. You, of course, in settings can log out to protect your account. And then the last thing in settings is you will find a link to find all of the apps that are available on all the many platforms that Todoist is available on. And spoiler alert, Todoist is available everywhere. I also want to take some time and talk about the mobile app for our Pixel phones. Many times a mobile app is kind of a dumbed down version of a larger web page or larger application we find on our PC. That is not the case on the mobile app. The mobile app is as full featured as the web page. And again, what I like is it's vice versa. So you're gonna find the same features on the mobile app that you're gonna find in the web app. It also, as I mentioned earlier, has a beautiful material design, looks great on your phone. Again, especially with the dark mode, which I'm rocking on my Pixel phone. It works well on the Pixel Book as well. So if you wanna to go to the Play Store and download the mobile app on your Pixel Book, you can do that. I will say, I probably recommend that you stay with the Todoist Chrome web app because one of the things you lose if you use the Android app or the mobile app on your Pixelbook are those wonderful keyboard shortcuts. Whereas the Todoist Chrome app will still have those keyboard shortcuts for you. Some other great features of the mobile app is if you long press on the home screen icon, you can access your most recent project. You can view tasks due today, you can search for a project or task and you can quickly add a task. So you don't even have to launch the app to add a task. You can long press, select the add a task and you'll get a quick entry window above your keyboard. That's very handy. I really like that. And it's it's something you really need to see to understand. So in my case, I'm using the Gboard keyboard. If I add a task, I get a simple quick edit or quick entry window aboard the Gboard. It doesn't take over the whole screen. It's just enough to get that 
task in there. And then it also uses those symbols like the hashtag and the at symbol to add more granularity to that task. So I can add additional schedule information. I can assign it to a project. I can tag it. I can add priority. I can add a co collaborator and I can comment. I can do all that from the quick entry pane above the keyboard. So it's really a neat feature. You need to see that on the mobile app. I'll be sure and put a picture in the show notes so that you can see what that looks like. The mobile app also gives you access to the share sheet function of the Android platform. So you can share web URLs or text that you select either as a task or as a task comment. I often use this feature when I'm preparing for the Pixel Power podcast. If I find a site that I need to review or think it might be interesting to add to our new segment, then what I'll do is I will simply copy that URL, use the share sheet, and then share that to a project called Pixel Power Podcast. I think I've, it's actually only listed as PPP in my Todoist project list, and then also put that in a sub-project called News. And there's a little inside baseball for you if you're curious about how I collect news and decide what to share with you week to week. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Todoist also has a very good Wear OS app, and it's just enough features on your smartwatch to make you productive on the go. For instance, you can view tasks by inbox or other filters that we've talked about. You can do that by swiping from the top of your watch. You can complete a task by simply tapping on the task. You can also add a task with your voice or a keyboard. You'll find a little plus symbol at the bottom of your watch. Tap on that and you'll get a prompt asking you, would you like to add this task via your voice or would you like to tap it out on the micro-sized keyboard that's almost impossible to get anything typed out, I highly recommend the voice option. I want to end this to do a segment by sharing some tips. So even if you're out there and you are a Todoist user, you might learn something here, something that'll, that, that maybe was hidden, a feature that was hidden that maybe you had not heard before. So I've come up with about seven little tips here that I think are pretty interesting. And these come from my use of Todoist and also researching features that'll help me get the most out of Todoist. I mentioned a little bit earlier, so this is uh, not necessarily brand new, but I did mention that you can export and import projects. Let's say you have a specific project, for instance, recording the Pixel Power podcast, and you have to do that on a regular basis. You just repeat that over and over and over. That could be that could become a recurring task, or you can export that task. You can export that project as an XML file, and then you can re-import it later. You can also share that project with someone else. I mentioned earlier that Todoist on their website, they have projects that you can download. Interestingly, one of those is record a podcast. So there is this ability to export and import a project with tasks and keep all that structured hierarchy that you have created. Another example might be you're traveling. And when you travel, you typically do the same things over and over. Let's say you have two trips coming up, one to LA and one to New York. You can create all the tasks you need to pack for the New York trip and then you can export that and then re-import that in for your trip to California and then maybe modify that and change cold weather to warm weather clothing. So that's an example of why you might use that. There's also a really interesting feature where you can create a task so that it does not have the completed check mark. You do that by starting a task with an asterisk and a space. So for instance, I might have asterisk space shopping list. This is a great way to create a header for a project. Again, what happens is you can't collapse that, you can't delete it. And one of the things we need to remember is if you create a bunch, if you create one task 
and then you have subtasks under that and you complete that main task, those subtasks get deleted as well. This way that won't happen because you cannot clear or complete that task. So remember, if you wanna create a task that can't be completed, asterisk space and then the name of that task. To do this also includes a little bit of markdown functionality. So if you want to bold something in your to-do list, a task or piece of the task in your to-do list, you can start with two asterisks, type a word, close with two asterisks, and that will bold that particular text. If you want to italicize, use an underscore before the text and after the text immediately. No spaces in between those. Probably would take spaces, but you don't want to do that as, as just a good standard of practice for Markdown. So there is some Markdown compatibility built into Todoist. Another neat feature of Todoist is you can actually subscribe in Google Calendar to your due dates list in Todoist. And there's a link to do that in your settings for each project. So take a look at that and you can add those projects to your Google Calendar. You can also add it to other calendars. iCal and Outlook are also supported. I mentioned earlier that Gmail also has a Todoist extension. Uh, it adds a button to Gmail so you can add or turn any email into a task. The task will go to Todoist and it will include a link to the original email, which is handy. So if you're in Todoist and want to reference it, click the link. It'll take you right back into Gmail to that specific email. You'll also notice that it will include a small icon, a little email icon next to that task to identify it as a Gmail task. So a good little visual cue there for you. If you do have a task that's actually, or that actually references a link, you can do that, add the entire URL, then immediately after that, add a space, open parentheses, put a name of that link or a reference for that link, the text that you would like that link to be represented as, close that, and then when you submit that task, you'll actually not see the actual URL, but you'll see the text that you wanted to be renamed. So it's a way of creating hypertext to a specific website. And then finally, I mentioned the default inbox view today and the seven day view. Remember that you can create custom views using filters and you can do that in the little ellipses in the upper right hand corner, settings, general, start page, and you can modify what you want your start page to be. It doesn't have to be those defaults. You can have the start page be one of the filters that you've created. So there's seven additional power pack tips to help you get the most out of Todoist. Hopefully after hearing all the features, you'll understand now why Todoist is my personal productivity manager of choice. Again, I wanna reiterate, you don't need all of the features of Todoist to manage a simple task list. If you just wanna start with the free version and try to just manage tasks, I think you're gonna find the free version by itself is by and large better than a lot of software that's out there for you. It is definitely better than Google Tasks at the moment, so I would encourage you, if you're using Google Tasks, maybe to convert to Todoist to the free, and then if you decide that you need those additional features, then you can pay the $29 fee. If you work in a collaborative environment, the $29 is worth the fee. Being able to collaborate with my peers and colleagues on projects is just a huge time saver as I outlined earlier. And even if I didn't collaborate with folks, I find it very useful for 
other endeavors where I'm doing things by myself. For instance, the Pixel Power podcast. I keep several smaller projects of things I need to get done. I also keep my holiday shopping list in Todoist. Anytime I'm out and I see something that I think, oh, that'd make a really great gift, I will add that in Todoist. So consider all those things in your life that you need to keep organized and give Todoist a shot. I really think it will help you keep your life organized. And remember, I have a link in the show notes for a two-month free trial to the premium version. We will end the show as we do every week by looking at my favorite news of the week. This week, we get to start by taking a visit to the Google Cemetery, where we will find new headstones for Google Allo, Goo.gl, the URL link shortener, and Google+. All three are due to die within the next few weeks. Let's offer and give our respects accordingly. If you're a Google One subscriber, you might want to check out your Gmail account and see if there's an email for a free coupon code for a Google Home Mini. While Google Allo may be dying, some of its features may actually be coming to Google Messages. Looks like Chrome will soon let us send links from one device to another only for those devices that we own. So you can send a link from Chrome running on your Pixel to Chrome running on your Pixel Book. We'll be on the lookout for that when it is released. Looking to try Chrome OS, check out the new Chrome OS simulator that has just appeared online. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Our Google Assistant can now control smart blinds. So if you are rocking some Lutron smart blinds, you may be able to control those with a simple, hey, make those blinds rise or make them lower. There seems to be a little bit of concern that Google is downsizing its laptop and tablet hardware division. I encourage you to read some of the editorials online to see what that could mean. Could be good, could be bad. We'll have to wait and see what rolls out of that. Google Fit for Wear OS now offers a new low power GPS mode for battery savings. I'm thankful that that is now available on my TicWatch. Google has released a new app called Google Lookout. It's an app that will leverage artificial intelligence to identify objects and text for the visually impaired. It is available for the Pixel device. I did download it. You simply point the camera for your phone at text. It will begin to read that text out loud and it will save that text for later reference. If you've been waiting to get that i7 model of the Pixel Book, you can now purchase one of those with up to $530 off in savings. Not a bad deal. Material Design continues to roll out. The latest app to get the treatment is Google Drive. So if you're looking at Google Drive and notice some changes, you should see some of the new Material Design starting to take hold there. Some of the biggest news this week was that Google launched the Android Q beta, which is the next version of the Android OS for our Pixel phones. The beta 1 was released for all Pixel phones, which was a surprise. So even the original Pixel, you can try the Android Q beta. And they plan on six beta releases until the full release sometime in Q3. The beta will also include a new feedback app that will allow users of the beta to assist developers in squashing out bugs by providing electronic feedback. If you're in Canada and you have a Pixel phone, call screening is now coming your way. Also, the, the Pixel 3, you can find up to $200 off on both models. So it's a good week to not only buy a Pixel book, 
but it's also a good week to pick up a Pixel 3. And in other big news this week, we started to see some leaks of the new Pixel Phone 4 and what that could look like. These are just leaks and these are rumors. At this point, we don't know for sure, but it does look like the notch might be going away and might be replaced by a pinhole punch for the camera. Again, we'll just have to see over time if these leaks and rumors are true. And then finally, we have some information and news from YouTube. A YouTube user was recently arrested after driving cross-country to threaten Google because he believed that they were taking down his videos. Little did he know that his wife was the one doing the takedowns. So a little note to self before you go ballistic because you think it's YouTube's fault, check your browser history, see what's going on, and make sure that somebody else isn't messing with your account. And that concludes my favorite news this week. I do hope you enjoyed this episode uh, where I focused on Todoist and also shared with you some of the latest news and, of course, a few tips and tricks in our addendum. I do hope you'll visit us online at www.pixelpowerpodcast.com where you will find some comprehensive show notes, as I mentioned earlier. You probably will want them for this episode because of the breadth of features available in Todoist. I also have several links that you'll find of interest. Any link I referenced, you'll find there. Also remember that you can follow the Pixel Power Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're on all three of those social platforms. And then finally, you can also send me an email at steven at pixelpowerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening to this three-part series on getting things done. I already know what next show is going to be. And if you listen to the episode news closely, there was a little tip in there or a little hint as to what's to come in the future. So I hope you'll join me for next week's episode.